How are we doing this morning? Winter is here. Did you see that? Man, how about that snow? That was something, wasn't it? Hey, you know, there was a video that I really, really wanted to show, but we just couldn't get it to play. And it was somebody recorded it on their phone. But nonetheless, I'm going to talk you through it. So you're ready to use your imagination this morning? Okay, so I want you to picture like a wildebeest in Africa. You know, the one that's got the horns are pretty big. There was a whole pride of lions that was surrounding this wildebeest. Did you see this? Yes. Okay. So this lion, a bunch of lions jump on this wildebeest, and you think, oh, man, this is it. The wildebeest is going down. And they got the Eye of the Tiger music playing. They're like, watch this, wait for it, wait for it. And then suddenly a whole bunch of wildebeest come in, and they're just bucking those lions out of the way. And you see suddenly that wildebeest that was getting ready to get down, he's got the aid of all those around, and those lions take off. So here's the, here's the message in that. There's strength in numbers, right? I've seen that in this church just this week. Of all the things that are coming together, all of you working together hand in hand to make this house what it is, your church. And it's just exciting to see that. It's also a reminder that, look, we can't get out there on our own, can we? Because, man, you are vulnerable. You can't possibly stand against the enemy that's out there, that all those lions that are looking to want to devour us. So we've got to stick together as a family. And so I love that video. I wish so much I could have showed it. But did you see it in your mind? Can you understand where I'm coming from? Cool. All right, so I'm excited to continue our study in the book of Colossians. And uh, last week we talked about the importance of living for today and that there should be a sense of urgency. None of us know how long that we're going to be here on this earth, when our last breath is going to come. So we must be rooted in Jesus and built up in Jesus today. Because there's no time to waste. The time is now. Now, in our text for today, Paul warns us of the dangers of our enemy who is constantly seeking ways to deceive, to distract, and to discourage us. His entire motive is nothing but wanting to devour us. Satan wants to suppress the truth and to keep us from fulfilling God's purpose for our lives. Now, in our text for today, Paul builds on what he said in chapter 1 about Jesus' supremacy, and he now teaches us about the importance of God's sufficiency. Not only is Christ supreme over everything and everyone, he is also sufficient in meeting all of our needs. Jesus is both supreme and he is sufficient. When we have him in our lives, we not only have the most important thing we could ever have, we have all we will ever need because all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in him and all the fullness of God dwells in him so turn with me in your Bibles to our text for today comes from Colossians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10 if you need a Bible they're right here on your left hand side we did have them over there so we switched it up on you they're right here now (laughs) or you can follow along up on the screen Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, Paul says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Let's pray. 
Father, we ask that you would open our eyes to see the truth of your word today. May there be no distractions today. May your name be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what we're going to do today. We are going to take our text and we're going to turn it into seven simple commands that you and I need to follow. So the title for today's message is Stay. We've got to stay because following these seven simple commands that come right out of our text today, we're going to see how important it is for us to stay on track personally and collectively as a remnant church family. So let's just begin. We're going to look at the first part of verse 8. Don't let, Paul says. Don't let. This comes from the Greek word blepo, which means to see, to perceive. It means beware. Now, the New King James Version actually renders that word, those words, don't let, beware. The ESV, the NASB, and the NIV translations render this as see to it. See to it, don't let, beware. In other words, the bottom line is we need to stay alert. We've got to stay alert. That's our first command today. And I've said this many times. There's a spiritual war going on every day, and you and I are in enemy territory. So we've got to stay alert. How in tune are you with the word of God? Does a red flag appear in your mind when you hear something that contradicts the truth of God's word? Scripture warns us that there are wolves in sheep's clothing, which means there are people who appear to be on Team Jesus, but in reality, they're on the side of our enemy. These people can be in the church. They can be at your work. They can be anywhere. Let's look at some scripture here. Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 17, Jesus says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. You see, you and I have to stay alert. In order for us to watch out, in order for us to recognize the fruit, we've got to be alert. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 and 15 says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. You see, we have to stay alert. We've got to be able to recognize what's going on out there. And our enemy is very deceitful. He disguises himself as an enemy of light, and so do his servants. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says, But false prophets also arose among the people. But just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. This is what Paul has been combating all through the book of Colossians the heresy that was creeping into the, the church there in Colossae. Excuse me. He was combating, you know, Gnosticism and this secret knowledge and all this stuff that was counter to Jesus. And you and I have to stay alert. 
because it's alive and well out there in our society. Even in our churches, there's heresies that creep up. And we're not going to be able to see it if we're not alert. And then Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 4 through 5, he says, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. That word see is the same Greek word blepo that's used in our text when it said don't let. Same word. Stay alert. Now, if we continue in our text, Paul says, don't let anyone capture you. Don't let anyone capture you. Now, in the busyness of life, we sometimes forget that there are people who want to take us captive. As Christians, we are the targets of God's enemies. Satan will use all kinds of tactics against us to hijack us from the truth. The battle is extremely dire when it comes to our kids today especially. There are several attacks underway right now on the innocence and the purity of our youth. High schools, including gender-neutral changing rooms. Health classes on body positivity, using drag queens as subjects. Sexual education curriculums that expose our kids to all kinds of things that they are either too young to understand or it's simply a perversion of what God's design for sex is between a husband and a wife. The use of preferred pronouns and on and on it goes. The battle is real. It's happening right here in Missoula County. If you thought that was happening all across the nation somewhere, but it's not here in Montana, what I just shared with you is happening right here in Missoula County. We need our kids to stay free. And you and I need to stay free. And that's the second command that we need to follow here. Stay free. The tactics that Satan and his minions use are designed to kidnap us to take us captive from the sufficiency of Christ and his word. Paul referred to these enemies as savage wolves in Acts chapter 20, verses 29 through 31. Jesus called them ravenous wolves in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. You know, wolves can do tremendous damage. They snatch their prey and they take them captive. And until Jesus returns, there will always be many kinds of things going on in this world to try and draw us away from following Jesus and the truth of God's word. It's why you see in Scripture the many warnings about not drifting away, remain in Jesus, abide in him, continue following him, which is what we talked about last week, continuing to follow him. We have to stay free. We cannot be captured by the tactics of our enemy. There is no question that the world has wolves, but sadly there are also wolves even in our churches. We must stay free. And you know what? The truth is what sets us free and is what keeps us free. The truth. Don't let anything snatch you away from the truth. Stay free. Now Paul continues in our text in verse 8, and he says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. This is what our enemies, those wolves, use to try to capture us. Empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. Now, I love how Ernie Godshall defined human philosophy. He defined it in this article entitled Christ or Empty Philosophy. Here's what he says. He says, Human philosophy is man's effort to reason his way to reality without God's revelation. Man, that is so good. i got to read that one again. Human philosophy is man's effort 
to reason his way to reality without God's revelation. Think about how many things that man has done in this world to try and explain reality. Really. I mean, I think back to when I was growing up and uh, going to school, and I had to learn all about Greek mythology. How many of you remember Greek mythology, right? We had to learn a myth. Are you kidding me? What was that all about? That wasn't the truth. It was man-made philosophy to explain away the reality of our creator. Not only that, I had to learn about evolution, which is another empty philosophy that is still taught in our schools and in our universities today. It's been proven false, and yet it's still being taught today. Or think about the countless religions and denominations that exist today that are based on man-made philosophy. Many of them are extremely attractive because they tickle our ears. But when you peel it all back and you really look at it, it's simply high-sounding nonsense. So you and I need to stay aware. We've got to stay aware. That's our third command from our text. You know, four years ago, a very prominent and influential person in our society said this. This is what this person said. What I, want, what I know for sure is speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we all have. Now, on the surface, this sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It sounds so enlightening, so profound, so empowering. But in reality, this is just high-sounding nonsense. There's no such thing as your truth. There's only the truth. Truth that is true for everyone. You and I can't have our own truth, especially when it differs, because if what's true for me is not true for you or vice versa, then it's not really truth. It's just opinion. And more appropriately, it's just empty philosophy or high-sounding nonsense. So you and I have to stay aware. We've got to know the truth. And the more we know the truth, the more that we can spot the deception of the enemy. The more you stay aware, the more you can identify and avoid the empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from the world. Now, here's a very cliche expression that gets used a lot in today's world. God will never give you more than you can handle. Now, I've heard that expression twice just this week. And I firmly believe that you, those who use this expression, hey, they use it with good intentions. They really do. But good intentions aren't good enough if it doesn't align with God's word. When we hear things that are in the Bible or contradict the Bible, we should be aware and then we should speak up. Now listen, when we speak up, we don't have to be a jerk about it, do we? We don't have to be a jerk. We can just speak the truth and do it with a spirit of love. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So listen, if you picture two pieces of iron sharpening one another, what do you get? You get sparks, don't you? Sometimes it's going to hurt. Sometimes it's not going to feel good. But the whole intent is, is that by sharing the truth, it's intended to make us sharper. It's intended to make us wiser. Now, let's dig into God's word together so that we can stay aware and we can know the truth. The phrase, God will never give you more than you can handle, it comes from a misinterpretation of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And this is one of our Bible verses that we're to memorize in book one of our discipleship curriculum. It's under the heading of assurance of victory. 
1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. But God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. There it is. This is where it comes from, right there. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, at first glance, it can be very easy to apply our sufferings or our trials right into this verse. But if you carefully study this text, you'll see that what's revealed here is Paul's not talking about trials. He's not talking about troubles or sufferings or tribulations. He's talking about what? Temptation. That's what he's talking about. Temptation is when you and I are enticed to sin. Temptation and tribulation, they are very, very different. And this verse is specifically about being tempted, about being enticed to sin. So the notion that God will never give us more than we can handle, it's not biblical. It's just high-sounding nonsense. It feels good, it sounds good, but it's not the truth. It is not the truth. Now, if we go a little bit deeper and we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8-9, through 9, Paul, again, here's what he says. He says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. Now, first, as we look at this text, notice the word trouble. That's another word for tribulation, for trials, or for suffering. Also notice that Paul clearly says they were overwhelmed. That sure sounds like there was God had given them more than they could handle, doesn't it? Overwhelmed beyond their ability to endure. In fact, they thought they were going to die. Now, does that sound like a man who wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 to say the same thing? God's not going to give you more than you can handle? No. Actually, he's saying the opposite here. Paul knew that God does in fact give us or allow us to have more than we can handle. Now, why would he do that? Why would God give us more than we can handle at times? Paul tells us in the very next verse. He tells us there in verse 9. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. That's exactly why we at times receive more than we can handle. It's right there. Is so that we'll look to him. So that we would stop relying on ourselves and learn to rely on him. You see, the phrase, God will never give you more than you can handle, all that does is it really just points us inward because we think, oh, God's not going to give us more than we handle. I got this. I can handle this. So it makes us look inward. But the truth of God's word doesn't point us inward. What does it do? It points us Godward. Paul says that the, the reason God gives us more than we can handle at times is so that we would rely on God and not ourselves. We've got to stay aware. And we can only do that by knowing the truth. Now, the next thing Paul says in verse 8 of our text for today is, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Notice the contrast that Paul is talking about here between what comes from human thinking in the world rather than from Christ. 
You know, unfortunately, there is a lot of man-made tradition and rules and laws and principles that are in our, con- our culture that contradict the Bible. And just because a whole bunch of people believe something is true, whether it's been in existence for generations or not, does not make it true. Today's culture often spews a lot of propaganda, doesn't it? It's littered all throughout our media. It's in our news outlets. It's in our entertainment choices. But just because something is said from what appears to be a reputable source does not necessarily make it to be true. And listen, our enemy loves propaganda. One of his tactics is to say it long enough and loud enough so people will believe it. Think about it. That's exactly what our news media does today. And, and while we are trying to stay aware in our world today, there is so much that can get us distracted. There are so many rabbit holes that we can go down trying to figure things out, trying to study this or study that. And that's essentially what Paul is warning us here in our text. We need to stay focused. We've got to stay focused. That's our fourth command today. Stay focused. Think about how much noise there is in this world that bombards us from every direction. It's so easy to get consumed chasing what's going on in the world. But nothing matters more than our relationship with Christ and what His Word says. We've got to stay focused. And that focus should be squarely on Him. What does His Word say about what's going on in the world? What does His Word say about how we should be living our lives? What does His Word say about how we should be spending our time? You know, His Word has all of those answers and more. But if we're honest with ourselves... Most of us spend a great deal of time searching for answers or living our lives apart from God or apart from time in prayer with Him. So why are we not more focused on Him? Our enemy is so good at throwing a whole bunch of distractions at us and this world is so full of noise and empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. We have got to stay focused. And Jesus should be that focus. And when we're focused on Jesus... It leads us right to the very next command that Paul reveals in verse 9 of our text. Here it is. Paul says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Now this ought to just blow your minds right here. Right here, this should just blow your minds. For in Jesus lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Wow! That's just Bam! I mean, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know how to even put it into words. It's just so awesome. And that's the point. You and I need to stay amazed. We need to stay amazed at how awesome our God is. This one verse destroys any argument about Jesus being less than God or that he wasn't human. Right here, this verse destroys it all. There is no way that you can argue against all the fullness of God dwelling in Jesus and that Jesus was fully God and fully man all at the same time. And you know, this is not the first time that Paul said this. He said nearly the same thing earlier in the letter to the Colossians in chapter 1, verse 19 that we've covered in uh, other sermon messages. He said in verse 19, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. 
We need to stay amazed at how mighty and how wonderful and how awesome and how unique and how special and how precious and how compassionate and how loving and how forgiving our Lord Jesus Christ is. Because all the fullness of God dwells in him. Paul continues in our text by saying this in verse 10. He says, so you also are complete through your union with Christ. Just as Jesus was filled full of God, you and I are also filled full of Him, and we are complete in Him. We are filled full and made complete when we make Jesus the Lord and Savior of our lives, and when we remain in Him through a relationship. So since Paul is saying here that we are complete when we're joined with Christ, that means that we don't need anything else, do we? We don't need anything else because we're complete. And that leads us to our sixth command. We've got to stay satisfied. Jesus is all we need. The world screams at us that we need this and that we need that. But the fact is, we only need Jesus. We are complete in him. So if you're here today and you've never truly given your life to Jesus... Or maybe perhaps you have at one point, but you're not living in him, and you're certainly not living for him now. That means you're incomplete. You are not filled full. And until you either make that union with Christ or restore that union with Christ, you will remain incomplete and unfulfilled. All the satisfaction, all the fulfillment that we will ever need is found in Jesus. No amount of human philosophy or worldly wisdom can add anything to Jesus Christ. It's Jesus plus nothing. When anyone tries to add anything to Jesus, it perverts and it destroys the gospel. We are saved by his grace through our faith, period. The basis for our salvation has nothing to do with how good we think we are or how obedient we think we are. The basis for our salvation has everything to do with what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me. He died in our place to save us from our sins. It was the only way. And not only did he die for us, he rose from the dead after, the thir- after three days, defeating death, hell, Satan, everything, and everyone forever and for all time. Amen. Woo! Let's go. His sacrifice is our salvation. It's Jesus plus nothing. Legalism can't do it. Mysticism can't do it. Calvinism can't do it. No man-made-ism can ever do it. Listen. Genuine salvation is Jesus plus nothing, and it results in a changed life. While our obedience can never earn us our salvation, listen, it can never earn us our salvation, it does demonstrate our love for him. So we never use God's grace as an excuse to sin more. We must stay satisfied. Don't let anything cheat you into thinking that you can be satisfied anywhere but in Jesus alone. Because Jesus is sufficient no matter what the need is. He is sufficient. And now we come to the final command for today that Paul reveals in the last part of verse 10 of our text. He says, So you also are complete through your union with Christ. 
who was the head over every ruler and authority. Paul here in this text, once again, points to the supremacy of Christ. He elevates Jesus above everything, every ruler, every authority. There is nothing or there is no one greater than Jesus. Paul has been defending the sufficiency and the supremacy of Christ all through the book of Colossians. Anything that ever attempts to take away from Jesus, to belittle Jesus, to diminish him, or to create any doubt about him is and must remain our enemy. We must stay submitted to Jesus no matter the cost. And believe me, there is a cost. There is a cost. Following Jesus requires complete devotion. Your entire life. Jesus is not interested in lukewarm halfway commitments. He demands all of you. So you and I must stay submitted. Now Paul sums up how we're to live. Paul sums up the mind that we are to have. He does it here in Philippians chapter 2. He says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you're not stirring in your seat, there is something wrong. (laughs) Submission requires humility and obedience. Do you know that? Both of those working together. Humility and obedience. Jesus gave us the perfect example. Therefore, you and I must stay submitted. So today, I've given you seven simple commands to help us stay on the right track for our lives. These commands will not only bless us personally, they will bless us collectively as a remnant church family. We all need to stay alert. We've got to stay free, stay aware, Stay focused, stay amazed, stay satisfied, and lastly, stay submitted. Let's pray. Father, you are the God of this universe. There is nothing too big for you. There's no enemy that you can't defeat. And we thank you that we have victory in you. We thank you for what you did on the cross for us, defeating everything and everyone. Lord, I pray that you would be with us, that you'd encourage us in this fight that we're in, that this battle that we're in every day. We need each other. We need you. And I just pray, Lord God, that you'd equip us, that you'd encourage us to do battle each day, to take ground for you each day. And so I pray right now, Lord, that you'd stir the hearts of all those who have had ears to hear today. And so if you're here today, and you recognize that you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, and you want to make that decision today, then I just ask that you slip up your hand so that I can pray for you. Anyone here want to receive Jesus into their heart today? Others of you may be here, and you're thinking, you know, I've strayed. I've strayed, and I want to come back. I want to make a full commitment to follow him. If that's you, 
God can do that. Thank you. Anyone else want to do that today? Thank you. So, Lord, I pray for those who have raised their hand or perhaps those that are sitting at their seat and they're conflicted. And they want to fully, fully follow you, to be fully devoted, faith-filled followers of Christ. I pray, Jesus, that you'd come into their heart, that you'd fill them, give them the courage and the strength and the power to overcome those things that are plaguing them in their life right now. That all things would point to you, that we'd all have a priority that puts you supreme because we know not only are you supreme, but you're sufficient. We thank you for what you're doing in this fellowship right here, and we give you glory for everything. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.